0: We're going to be continuing our series, Questions Jesus Asked, and last week we asked the question of who do you say I am, and this week Jesus asked a question that reveals our heart, and so this morning as we gather together in our living rooms or wherever you're at, I ask that you would get your Bibles and join with me in John chapter 5 as we'll be looking there together in just a few moments. Well, listen, life is full of questions. Every single day, every single morning that you wake up, you have questions to answer. I mean, what time should I even get up? You have to ask and answer that question. What am I even going to do today? Especially now in this COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, that's one of the questions that we're asking quite a bit. What should I wear? What is the weather today? What should I eat and when should I eat it? Those are questions that we ask every day. We may, not, we may not ask them out loud, but they're things that we ask ourselves and that we think about, and they're important life questions, even if they are seemingly routine questions. Well, here's some questions as I was thinking about this series and thinking about in today in particular. Here's some questions we should not ask. they are some good questions, but then there's some not so good questions. And so here's some questions we shouldn't ask. One of them is, you should never ask someone, are you pregnant? One time I had a friend ask that question, and uh, the answer was no. And so quite an embarrassing question to be asking. Or what about this question? Did you gain some weight? Yeah, you know, just, let's just leave that to someone else and not really worry about that kind of question. Or the question maybe you've asked your teenager or hopefully you've never asked your spouse this question. Are you going to wear that? Yeah, I know. There's some questions that we shouldn't just be asking. Well, what about this one? I know that probably some of you have had this question asked for you. Does this fill in the blank make me look fat? Uh. Yeah, please don't ask that question because those are one of those questions that there's no... Right answer there's no when in that question, but here's what I need to know is that questions are important, and most of the questions that we ask are important questions because we want to we want to know the truth or we want to to know more information. Questions are important questions are important even for leadership. One of the questions that that I read leadership books all the time and so One of the things that they talk about in these leadership books is questions are important and be ready to ask questions. Have questions available that you may be sitting next to someone, the president of the United States or the president of Coca-Cola or some major company, and you may have a three-minute window to ask some questions and be ready to ask important questions. So some of the questions that I may ask, if I were to be sitting across from the President of of Apple, what is the most important thing that you do every day? What is your morning routine? How do you get started every day? What are the three most influential books that you've ever read? Or if you could go back to your younger self, what would you say? And then finally, one of the ones that maybe is most important is this, is what is your life's mission statement? In other words, what gets you moving and what motivates you every day? One of the things about leadership and even our own selves is we ask some of these questions of ourselves on a regular basis. And out of this desire to grow and out of this desire to learn and to know more, is that we're also asking these questions about being productive in our life. We want to be we want to maximize our life. We realize that life is short and we want to get more out of it. And so there's these productivity gurus that talk about how to maximize your day. I think of Stephen Covey or David Allen with Getting Things Done or Michael Hyatt or even a, an author by the name of Charles Hummel. And I, I read his book several years ago, and one of the things in his book that stuck out to me was this idea of the tyranny of the urgent, that there's always going to be this desire to, to do the, what seemingly is urgent, And when we do those things, we don't do the important things. And so that we're continually asking ourselves the questions of how do we spend our time and our energy so that we can spend our time and energy on the most important things. Because here's the deal. With all of these different questions, what we're really doing is this, is that we're putting a mirror in front of our life and we're asking questions to see and have value of What is the most important things for us, and in what direction are we headed? Well, maybe some of you have asked these questions to your children, thinking about, that. hey, I'm trying to raise them up, and I want to kind of know what direction that they're heading, and, and what are they thinking, so I can help guide them. And maybe you've asked this question of, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or, what in the world are you thinking? Maybe some of you have asked that one recently. Or maybe this question of, who do you admire? You know, we live in an age where celebrities and, and athletes and all these different people that maybe in the past weren't people that our kids were admired or maybe that we would have admired as kids, and so now there's this whole new generation and asking that question of who do you admire and why? Or maybe some of you are getting to that place where you're asking the question of what colleges do you want to go to? All of these are important questions, Right? Because again, we're putting this mirror in front of ourselves. We're putting a mirror in front of our children or those that we love and asking them some questions to help us think about what motivates us and what moves us. I even remember a few years ago, I'd come back from a trip and I'd had some time to pause and reflect in that trip and just wrote down some notes and some things, thinking about the kids and especially in particular, thinking about my wife. And Whenever I got back from the trip, my wife and I had a date and we were just talking about the trip and what had happened at home while I was away. And, and uh, I, I pulled out a piece of paper and I just said, hey, hey Becky, this is something I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. And this is the question that's kind of been reverberating in my heart and my soul for you, but also for us. If you could do anything else than what you're currently doing, and this is, I'm thinking about her work at the time, what would it be? And can I tell you that in that from that moment that there's been a change of trajectory um in my wife's life, and not that she wasn't doing something that she really loved and enjoyed, but now that she's changed from one career path to another career path, she's found her life calling, and it's joy to see her come home every night fulfilled from the work that she does. Well, listen, we're in a season of pause, and in that season of pause, it's a great time for us to ask some questions. This series that we started last week with the questions that Jesus asked, is a, it's a series about questions, obviously. And these are some questions over the next few weeks that, that Jesus has asked his audience and he's also continues, through the scripture, continues to ask us today. The questions that Jesus is asking us can change your life. It can change your destiny. And it can change your family's legacy. Well, if that sounds good to you, let's look at the book of John. The first thing that I want you to to see in the book of John, we're going to be looking at verse 1, is there's a man's story, the man's story. And so this man that we're about to read about was a paraplegic. In other words, he was unable to use his legs. His friends would carry him to a pool. We'll see that he, he hangs out by the side of a pool. And so his friends carry him to the pool. And if his friends couldn't carry him, then imagine this. How would a paraplegic get himself from his house or wherever he was staying to the side of the pool? That means he would have to walk himself, literally crawl himself through the yucky streets. And in those days, in Jesus' days, the streets were dust, they were dirt, and animals were walking and and, uh, all kinds of stuff was going on. So there wasn't a clean street. So imagine this guy who's unable to use his legs, pulling himself through the yucky street and, and walking through dung and walking through mud and just all the muck and mire. And one of the other things that's, that's common for those that are paraplegics is that there, there's an inability to control the bladder. And so imagine here's this guy and he shows up at the pool and he's there consistently waiting to be healed. And so this man's story is one of it's one of, of, of loss of hope, I imagine, and, and just showing up somewhere consistently over time and never being able to have his his desire for healing to be fulfilled. Well, let's look at verse one. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Now, this is a moment where Jesus is actually alone. It doesn't tell us that his disciples or anyone else is with him, it's just Jesus. Walking into Jerusalem and walking in to this area. Verse two. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind and lame or paralyzed lay on the porches. Why did they lay there? Because there's this verse here. This is an interesting verse. It says, for an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in the water After it was stirred, was healed of whatever disease that he had. So here's this guy. He's a paraplegic. He's gotten himself to the pool of Bethesda, and he's been there for a long period of time. He comes day after day consistently to this place. Why? Because in verse 4 it tells us that somehow or another there's a stirring, there's a movement of the waters. And whenever that water would be stirred, that people would get into the water. And tradition says there's a myth or whatever. There's a story that gave people hope that they continued to show up for the hope that whenever the waters were stirred, they could be healed. And so that's the part of this man's story that, as we'll see here in the next verse, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. So here's a man who's a paraplegic. For 38 years, consistently walking himself, dragging himself in the smell and the muck and the mire and putting himself at the precipice of the pool, waiting to get in, hoping beyond hope that he would be the first one in the water when the water was stirred. Then here in the midst of all this, this is the the background. And then in verse 6, we see this. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? Now that seems like an extremely obvious question. That here's this guy for over 38 years has drug himself to the side of the pool and he's there waiting and hoping. I can imagine after a few years the sense of hopelessness. But for 38 years consistently dragging yourself to the edge of the pool, hoping that the waters would stir and hoping beyond hope that you would be the first one in. I even imagine that there were days that he would hope that no one else would show up and that he would be the only one there so that he could have a real shot at getting into the water. And then here's this guy that walks up that he doesn't know, that walks up and asks him the most obvious question that he could possibly ask him. He's there at the pool. He knows why he's there at the pool. And Jesus walks up and says, would you like to get well? Literally, would you like to be made whole? Now listen, here's a guy who's a paraplegic. His friends maybe had carried him to the pool a little bit, but probably more often than not, he had to drag himself there in the smell and the muck. And he'd been doing this for over 38 years. And can you imagine the sense of hopelessness? And then here comes this guy offering you and asking you this question, would you like to get well? Listen, that's our story. That's our story. We have something that holds us back. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe we've been abused in the past. Maybe we've had divorce. There's some area of our life that needs healing. Maybe your friends have carried you to church. Maybe your friends have carried you to an addiction center. Maybe your friends have carried you to counseling. And you've continued. Maybe you've had to walk through the muck to get there. And your life stinks and your life has stunk for weeks and months and years. And, and, and how long have you gone before you lose hope? Listen, that man has a story. But now, because of Jesus' question, he has a dilemma. You and I have a story as well. And it's similar to this man's story. That each one of us, in some way or another, we're hindered. We're handicapped. We have something that holds us back from experiencing the fullness of the life that God has for us. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's abuse in our past, or whether it's divorce, whatever it may be, you know what's holding you back. And Jesus is in this moment, has walked up to this man and said, do you want to get well? Now that seems like an obvious question. And for many of us, if someone were to ask us that question, we would answer, why yes, I want to get well. But let's be honest. Many of us have had that same question asked to us. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed from? Do you want to be free from? And we honestly, we look at that question and we have the same dilemma that the man has. Many times we look at that question and we begin to count the cost of what it would mean. The fear of the unknown on the other side of being free. And we decide to not choose getting well. We choose to not find freedom. We choose to not accept healing. We choose to not accept Jesus's invitation of getting well and of getting whole. It sounds like an obvious question, but the answer is not so obvious. Again, this man had a story, but now because of Jesus's question, he has a dilemma. What's the man's dilemma? I just talked a little bit about it. Again, Jesus asked the question, would you like to get well? And immediately whenever he asked that question, the man began to come up with excuses and reasons for why he couldn't be well. Is that you? Have you been asked that question? Do you want to get well? Do you want to find freedom? And immediately you began to answer the reasons why you cannot get well. Well, here's this man. This is a part of his stories. He's asked this question and he's dealing with a dilemma and he begins to to offer up excuses. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one. Have you ever said that? I have no No one's helping me. No one's going to do it for me. To put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. For see, he, he had an expectation that that Jesus was going to use the, the, the same form that he had thought that the healing was going to come. That he was going to have someone push him in to the pool and he would be healed. And here's what he says. He says, since I don't have someone to help me get in. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, again, that that sense of hopelessness is rising up and bubbling up with inside of the sky. And and, and the question of do you want to get well, which seems like such an obvious question, doesn't have such an obvious answer. If we've been in in a place of hopelessness for long enough, We begin to to literally, we give up hope and we begin to make excuses and literally become a victim of our circumstances. What's the man's dilemma? He's a paraplegic. He's unable to use his legs. And his friends may have carried him to the pool, but his friends didn't stay there to push him in. I mean, I imagine his friends, if they've been doing this for two, three, four, five, even ten years, at some point, don't you even think that they have lost a sense of hope? Someone else always beat their friend into the pool, and so they were never healing for him. And so at some point, your friends maybe even begin to abandon you. It's been 38 years. And so this guy's dilemma, he says, here's the reasons, guy, I don't even know who you are, but Jesus, I don't even know, I cannot be healed, here are the reasons. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the thing that we lose track of, that we lose sight of, is that was not Jesus' question. The question wasn't, what are all the reasons for why you haven't been healed? What are all the reasons for why you haven't found freedom? Why are all the reasons that you haven't? No, Jesus' question was, do you want to get well? well? What about you? That's the question for us as well. Our addiction our abuse, our divorce, our relationship issues, whatever it may be that we need healing from, we hear that question and we immediately begin to make excuses or reasons for why it can't happen. Because we expect God so many times to to respond and to react in the way that we know how and that we're comfortable with. Maybe you've even said, I don't have any friends, there's no one around me to even help me anymore. And it's been, it's been weeks, it's been months, it's been 38 years, and I'm still stuck in this. Here are my reasons why I'm here. But Jesus didn't ask the man that question. And Jesus didn't ask you that question as well. Here's what I want you to grasp, is that Jesus' questions reveal our authentic hearts. Let me say that again to you. The questions that Jesus asks us reveal the authentic things that are in our hearts. This guy was asked the question, do you want to get well? And immediately he began to show that he had no hope. Immediately he began to show that he thought that God would operate in a way that he had planned. But listen to this. Despite man's doubts, Jesus met the man where he was and heals him despite the man's doubts. Jesus met the man where he was and he heals him and God wants to do the same for us. So Jesus asked that question, do you want to get well? And immediately he begins to offer up excuses, but even in spite of those excuses, Jesus heals him. Look at the next verse. The man's healing is 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 um is is unique in this setting. And so here's what the verse says. It says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, this is a command. This isn't a, hey, I hope you would stand up. I mean, this is a stand up, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. It's a command from God in that moment. And so this guy does what? Instantly, the man is healed. So instantly in that moment, Jesus offers a command. He says, stand up, get up, pick up your mat, and begin to walk. And in that moment, as Jesus offers the words of healing, instantly the man was healed. And in that, when he was healed, I don't know what happened. I don't know if his legs straightened up. I don't know what could have possibly taken place. But I could imagine that if he hasn't used his legs for a while that his legs have atrophied, right? So his muscles have shrunk and, 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 and everything is disproportionate to the top of his body and the muscles that he developed up there. So instantly in that moment, the legs, man's the man was healed. So then he rolled up his sleeping mat and did what? He began walking. Matter of fact, he was made whole. Listen, he didn't have to go to physical therapy. He didn't have to do any weightlifting. Instantly, whenever Jesus spoke the words of get up, take your mat, and walk, instantly in that moment he was healed, and he was healed completely and sufficiently. He didn't need anything extra. It was complete and whole. The man's healing was unexpected. It's after 38 years. The man's healing was immediate. It didn't take some physical therapy, therapy or anything else. It was immediate, and it was complete. He had the complete strength and the complete coordination that he needed to stand up and to walk and to complete the task that Jesus had given him immediately. What about you? What about your healing? Jesus has asked, do you want to get well? And so many times this healing that he wants to provide for us is unexpected. And it has taken longer than what we think it should take. And Jesus wants to provide healing for us. One of the things about healing that we'll notice is that there's two types of healing that Jesus does. One is, is he does a healing by faith. And so if you'll look at John chapter 4 just prior to this story, Jesus is walking along and an official, a government official comes to him and says that his son is sick and is about to die. And he wants Jesus to come heal his son. And Jesus says to him, By your faith, your son has been healed. And so there's this by-faith healing. But then also there's this story. Immediately following that one, there's this story of the man sitting by the pool. And this guy doesn't even know Jesus. He doesn't even know who he is. And even when he asks a question, he has no response to who the person of Jesus is. He just knows that there's some guy that's walked up to him and asked a question. Do you want to be healed? And so this is not a, a by-faith healing. This is a to-faith healing. In other words, Jesus is healing this guy who doesn't know him and who doesn't have faith in him, heals him to move him toward faith. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thought of how God moves and does what he does. It's an unexpected healing. This guy hadn't earned it. This guy didn't even know Jesus. And he was received healing from him. When you're healed, it's not in your own power, but it is complete. And it's not in your own power so that it can draw attention to the one that is the healer. So in your life, whenever Christ calls out to you and says, do you want to get well? He's asking you a question and you have a dilemma. Are you going to make excuses for why it can't happen? Or are you going to respond by faith and to faith and say, I Am ready, and what does that mean for you? It means that in some moment, it's going to be unexpected, that this is going to be immediate, and it will be complete, and it will be whole. What a beautiful thing the healing that Jesus brings and provides to our life. The question is, are we willing to surrender over those things that we are become, that we have become comfortable with, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's Whatever it may be, there's things in our life that we've become comfortable with and it's been years and weeks and months that we've struggled with them and we've walked in the mire and the mess and we've become so accustomed to the mire and the mess that we make excuses for not seeking healing when it's offered. It's more comfortable to live in the muck and the mire than to be healed and to get well. Well, look at this. this the next part of this verse, these verses, is that Jesus has healed this man, and he kind of moves about in the crowd, and the guy gets up and he's walking along, and as he's walking along, the religious leaders see him. Now, you can imagine with me that if this guy's been showing up to the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, people know him, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things of, "Hey, it's Bob as he's crawling in. People know him, or his friends are bringing him in and saying, "Hey, let's stamp his water world deal." He's uh, he's here. This is 38th the year of a season past. We're hoping this is his last year. People know Bob at the Pool of Bethesda. And so Bob is there, and he's he's waiting there. And all of a sudden, Bob is walking. He has his mat, and he's walking. And the religious leaders of the day see him, and what do they do? But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, in other words, the day of rest. So the Jewish leaders objected to it. Now, that just, that blows my mind, is that the religious people of the day who are the ones that are pointing people to who God is and, and showing people that God is a miraculous God, they see a miracle walking in front of them and they object to it because it doesn't happen in the way that they think it should. We do this all of the time. God is in the business of doing miracles. God is in the business of bringing healing to people's lives. And, and he does these things outside of our circle of understanding because he's God and we're not. And so here are these religious leaders. I imagine that they're by the pool and they're playing cards and they're having sweet tea and lemonade and Arnold Palmer's and, and all of that. And all of a sudden they see Bob walking by and they're like, whoa, 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 Bob. Bob, this is the Sabbath. You cannot be carrying your mat. How ridiculous is that? It's ridiculous. But we do that. Here's what they said. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Now, again, I can't even imagine what was going through his mind at that moment. That They didn't say, hey, whoa, Bob. Bob, oh, man, you've been here 38 years. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been looking forward to is you walking, that finally you would get in the pool first. No. They stop them and say, hey, look, Bob, I know that you're walking, but you should not be carrying the mat. That's against the rules. so easy for us to get fixed in on what the the quote-unquote right religious thing is or whatever rules and regulations and that we put God in this box and we say, God, you can be God if only if you operate within the confines of which I believe that you operate. God is a God of miracles and God does what he wants to do to glorify himself and to bring him fame and not ourselves. And so in this moment, here Bob is, is walking along and these religious leaders say, whoa, 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 Bob. You're healed and not in a way that we expected. Put down that mat. So they ask him. But, you know, they ask him the question of, of uh, why are you carrying this mat? And, and he replies to them, well, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. And then they said, well, who said such a thing as that? Because immediately they're thinking, man, this is not Bob's fault. Well, this is... This has got to be this other spiritual authority that, that healed Bob. And so who would ask you to do that? And this is an interesting thing, too, is that Bob didn't know who healed him. That he never asked Jesus' name. He didn't know his identity when he asked him, do you want to get well? And he didn't ask him his name in that moment whenever he was instantly healed. He picked up his mat, and I'm sure that he was overly excited. But I would think that for many of us, the first thing we would do would be run and chase after him and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. But he didn't get that chance, and so he didn't know the name for who Jesus was. Because Jesus, in the midst of that, had disappeared in the crowd. So what's the response? The man didn't even know Jesus. The religious leader's response was, Hey Bob, we see that you're walking, but you're breaking one of the 39 Sabbath laws, and one of those 39 Sabbath laws is, you're not supposed to be carrying anything. In particular, you're not supposed to be carrying a mat. But we also see in the midst of this, maybe one of the positive things is the appropriate response for the man was in his opportunity uh, from the healing, he shows up at the temple. And it's there where he's at the temple and he's probably going to the court to, to verify the fact that he'd had a miraculous thing happen to him, that he'd been healed. He's probably going to the temple to talk about that and to show that that had happened. So here he is, afterward, he's at the temple, and Jesus finds him at the temple and he tells him, Now you are well. Now this is the same phrase, the same word that Jesus had asked him just a few verses earlier, when he said, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get whole? Do you want to be made complete? So Jesus had asked him that question just a, a few verses before. And, and now he is made well. Now he is made whole. Now he is made complete. And Jesus, instead of a question, he makes a statement. He says, now you are well. That very thing that you desired deep within your heart, now you've received it. And so then what does Jesus say to him in response to that? So stop sinning. Literally, do not continue sinning. Do not continue going on in the way that you'd gone before, or something worse may happen to you. What's Jesus saying to this guy, and he's saying to us as well, is that so many times we seek out healing, and we think that the problem is that the issue with us is something physical, whether it's that where our legs don't work or our hands don't work or our eyes don't work or we're not smart enough or we're not pretty enough or or whatever it may be, that we're so focused on the outside that when Jesus provided healing to the guys outside, to what everyone else saw as wrong, Jesus said, listen to him, listen to me. You're made complete and a whole on the outside, but what's most important is what's happening on the inside. And what Jesus is saying for him is that I hope that what I've been able to do for you on the outside, this faith healing, drives you to a deeper faith in me in a way that would push you away from sin, that would push you away from disobedience with God. It would drive you to seek after me. This guy who you didn't even know my name came and healed you and made you physically whole. The thing that you've desired now for 38 years has been provided for you. Now in response to that physical healing, may your life and your heart and your soul and your affections, may they change. The same is true for us. Is it so many times we think that what we're crying out for is that the most important thing is, is that People see us and they see us as healed and whole and and whatever image it is that we're trying to build up for other people. And what Jesus says to us is, listen, I, I can do that healing. But what's most important than just that physical outside healing is that that healing that happens drives you to deeper affection for me. Do you want to get well? It's really not a question about the outside." It's a question about the inside. Do you want your soul to get well? Here's the deal. We all have a story, right? Somewhere, somehow, somewhat, we all have a story. And some would say, well, my story is darker or my story is is harder or whatever. But here's the truth. All of us have a story. All of us have something where we've messed up and we hold regrets and shame and and we hold those things deep inside of us. That is being human. We have a story. Here's the question I want to ask you. Are you at the end of your hope? When you get to that place where you're at the end of your hope and you think, I cannot just go on any longer, in your own strength, in your own wisdom, even with your friends bringing you there and carrying you there, at the end of them, at the end of the rope, literally at the end of your hope, Jesus comes to us and says, do you want to get well? And when Jesus asks us that question, it's his healing is complete. His healing is sufficient. His healing immediately allows us to stand up and to walk and to carry a mat. And here's the deal. It'll be unexpected. People will question it. People will wonder what in the world is going on and why. So that you can point to the person of Jesus. Jesus always does healing completely. His healing goes beyond what we want and it moves us to consider our lives to not continue sinning. Healing that makes us whole leads us to a deeper walk in faith in Christ. So do you want to get well? Do you truly want to get well? That's our question this morning. My prayer for you is that as you, maybe you're at the end of your hope and you've been struggling with something for a long time and you've tried to do it on your own strength. You've, you've done all the different things and you're literally at the end of your hope and you've got all these excuses and all these reasons for why it hasn't happened. And the last thing that you can possibly think of, the last thing that you can possibly try is Jesus and he's asking you this question this morning. Do you really want to get well. If that's the case, then surrender to Him. And just say, Jesus, I'm at the end of my hope. I'm tired of crawling through muck. I'm ready to get well. And allow Him to do that.